Um, so, as Mike said, Deb and Dave Kreisig. Some of you I don't recognize the faces. Um, most of you I do, the Kimmy. <laughs> but I want to give a little bit of um, a brief update or a brief uh, description of our, um, our ministry in Haiti. Um, about in 2014, we started a, a 501c3 called Helping Haiti's Orphans. Um, and the purpose was to help um, orphans at a orphanage that we had been supporting since about 2009. Um, we had learned that the young adults, those who turned 18, were required to leave or being put out of the orphanage um, to who knows where. Uh, they didn't have a place to go. Um, they could end up on the streets, and we all know that could lead to many different things, especially for the, the young ladies. Um, so the Lord put it on our hearts to start helping Haiti's orphans. Um, and what Helping Haiti's Orphans does is it ha it's, a, um, it's really a threefold ministry. Um, we have a, a small orphanage, 12 kids out in uh, Turbay, and we call that Loving Hands Orphanage, um, and we financially support them. And then we have Esprit Kai, which means Hope House in Creole, um, and it's a program for those that had to leave the orphanage at 18 and to transition into adulthood. So we're financially supporting them. We've, in the last three years, we've lived with them. We've had uh, up to eight living with us. Uh, currently have seven, and two more will be joining us when we go back, so we'll have nine. Um, but we'll get into a little bit more of that in a minute, but <laughs> we're making some changes to that program. And the third part, was, which we really haven't done too much with, uh, it's called Hearts for Haiti. And that's really, we set that part aside that if, if someone wanted to come to a missions trip in Haiti, they could come to us and we would be there to help and, and guide them through that process. Not necessarily, you know, holding their hand too much, but allowing them to come and, and help them with their, our contacts and things like that. Um, so Deb and I are, last year when we were here, we said that we were standing at a crossroads. Um, having lived with the young adults for two years, we had learned a lot. Uh, now we've got three years under our belt and we've learned a lot more. Um, and over the last, <laughs> um, it's, it's, believe me, it's all God's strength. <laughs> Those songs we sang today were so perfect because <laughs> um, we do trust in the Lord for everything that we do. Um, so our, our ministry, the Esprit Kai, it provides Christian discipleship and mentorship, housing and education to those young adults as they transition from the orphanage. Um, so, our, like I said, our plan was we were going to live with them for, for who God knows how long, and then we were going to transition them into independent living. So over the last year, we've done a lot of praying, a lot of consulting those that are wiser than us. And uh, Mike, <laughs> he started out today with, with Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, and that's the verse that I have right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and be not on your own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So we have really put our faith and trust in God over the last year to develop our new plan. Did you just hear that when you were walking in? <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit for you. Um, so as Dave was saying, we really do count on the Lord for everything. And as we're going through this, this transition this, this past year of trying to find out what the plan was that God wanted us to have, we wanted to make sure that we sought him, that we sought his will, not ours, but his alone. 
Um, and so we devoted time to that. And um, we're going to walk you through very quickly the process that we went through this last year. And we hope that it might encourage you wherever you are in your walk with the Lord as you're seeking his heart, as you're seeking his will for your life. Um, maybe there'll be something that you'll learn from, from what we did this past year. Um, to start with, I'm going to share with you a scripture in Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And again, we wanted to make sure that whatever plan we walked forward in, that it was God's plan, not our plan, not something in the flesh, but something that was definitely directed and led by the Lord. So the first thing we did um, was we were in prayer and in the word. <laughs> um, Dave and I, when we get up in the mornings, he makes our Haitian coffee. He sits in one chair, I sit in another chair. And for a good hour, what we do is we just have our time, our devotion time. We are seeking God. We are praying. We are sometimes worshiping. Um, but we have that. We give each other that time alone with the Lord. Um, and then that then allows us to, when we come together, to know that each, each one of us has spent that time with God. So we come together. We know that we're going to be one in the spirit as well. Um, so we took our requests and the petitions to God through weekly prayer and fasting. We set aside Wednesdays. We said Wednesday is going to be the day, and on that day we're going to fast and pray, and we're going to just strictly pray for the ministry. That's going to be our goal and what God wants us to do. Um, and so we did that because we really wanted to be listening um, to him. So it says in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We did not want to run ahead of God. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be way behind him either. But we wanted to wait for the Lord. We wanted him to be the one to step out to direct our paths, and then we would follow him. Um, also, we, uh, we prayed together, and we made sure that, um, that we had God's wisdom in all that we did. I just turn that page. I'm not sure. <laughs> are, you, are you fine? Okay. Because <laughs> um, we also wanted to make sure we were in the Word. I knew it was something. We wanted to make sure that we were in the Word daily and that what we um, were thinking and talking about and doing was in alignment with Scripture because that's a really good indication if you're on the right track or not. So as long as it was lining up with Scripture, we knew, okay, we can keep going forward. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives, liber gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And that's in James 1.5. The second thing we did was discussion and counsel. This is my husband right here, but this is also my ministry partner. And so as partners in ministry, we need to make sure that we are in one accord because that is huge. So we know if we're listening to God and we're allowing him to direct and then we're in one accord and it's lining up with scripture, there's a good chance we're moving in the right direction. Um, so it was just very important to us to make sure that we had that like-mindedness. And it says in Philippians 2.2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. We also sought wise counsel. Um, we knew that some of the things, some of the decisions we were making had to do with the culture in Haiti, so we talked to people that we knew about, that knew about the culture better than us. We also shared uh, what we believed the Lord was showing us to other pastors um, so that they could help us and let us know if, if, if they uh, felt that we were in the right direction. Um, it just is really important to get that wise counsel. And it says in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. 
that was another indicator again to us that, okay, you're on the right path. Keep, keep going forward, guys. And the third thing we did was we developed a plan. And it says in Luke 14, 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. And I know this is really talking about our faith, to count the cost of our faith, but it also is just good wisdom. When you're going to build something, you want to make sure that first you sit down and you have a plan. You don't want to just go forward and just be all over. You want to make sure you have a direction to go. Um, and so we developed that plan. We wrote our ideas down. We revisited them often, making changes as the Holy Spirit led. Um, and David is now going to share the plan with you. I don't need that. <laughs> so what were the results of this of our seeking God's plan? Um, he definitely led us to make some changes. As Deb said, we wrote down those ideas. And uh, when we actually formulated them into a plan, um, it was very clear. Um, I think we actually did it separately but came together and it, it flowed together. So we knew that was, God was working in both of us on how to do this. Um, so now we're calling this Esprit Chi program. Instead of Esprit Chi home, it's an Esprit Chi program. The reason we're calling it a program is because, number one, we're not going to be living with the young adults anymore. Uh, we decided that based on what we were seeing in them and in the culture, um, it really wasn't a good, it wasn't healthy for them to be living with us because they see too much of our culture when they're doing that and they, they, they want to have that and the likelihood they're never going to be able to attain that. Um, we were bringing them up to a point where they had electricity 24-7, you know, water running from a faucet all the time. It's not going to be their life. It's, it's very unlikely that they'll attain that or be able to afford it, regardless of their education level. Um, if, there may be one in, you know, a hundred that makes it out of that lifestyle. So we, we thought it would be better if they were more living the Haitian lifestyle. So um, we... The owner of the orphanage has a home in Port-au-Prince that is pretty much vacant. And we talked to her, and uh, she has a couple of rooms available. So the, the, the young adults that are in high school or are just coming from the orphanage and maybe going into a trade uh, are going to live there. Uh, that'll be about four young adults at this point. Um, and we're calling that the new Esprit Kai. There's a house mom that lives there, so she should be oversight for us. She's Haitian, obviously. Um, and uh, so she's going to keep a pulse on it. The kids all know her. They've grown up knowing her. So there's no, you know, unfamiliarity. And that house is more of a Haitian-type house. It's still above the standard of living for most, but it's also down a couple notches from when they're living now. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is it's, we're calling it the, the transition to living. Uh, tra- yeah, transitional living. Thank you. So the ones that are in university, um, they'll be having their own place to live. We're, we're telling them to go out, find a place to live. We're going to pay the rent. We're still paying for their tuition. I mean, yeah, tuition. tuition. Yep. And for their food and clothing and all that stuff, we're financially supporting them. So their education is like a job to them. Um, and we're paying for them to do that, to get that education. Um, so they'll be learning how to, 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 to budget and all those kinds of things. They've already been working on a budget because when we're here, they're actually doing the same thing. They're living on the money that we gave them for the month. They're not living in the home that we are normally in. They're out staying with a family, you know, a sister or a good friend. A couple are living with the, uh, the, um, the Loving Hands director. Um, and a couple of them are living at the, where the, the high school students are going to live. Um, so they'll be 
learning how to live in a Haitian environment, but not actually without income. They're going to have an income for now. So when they graduate, it's the third phase. That's the independent living. We're not going to be financially supporting anymore. They're going to have a job based on whatever education they got, that trade. Um, <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. So for, through all, all of this, all of this, they're all going to be required to attend a Bible study with us once a week. They're all going to be required to attend church. They're all going to be required to attend meeting, periodic meetings with us, probably at least quarterly, if not more often. They're all going to have to maintain that budget. We're going to give them a certain amount of money each month, and they spend more than that, or they spend it on something they shouldn't have. They're not going to get more from us. They're going to learn how they should be budgeting and living in a normal life. Even here in the States, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to have to. They're going to have to do well in their studies. If they don't pass a given year, that's that they're going to have to leave the program. So they're all going to have to sign a contract. We put this contract. I put, actually, without Deb's help, I put the contract together. I flipped it over to her, and she was like, "Sounds good to me." We made a few little tweaks, language-wise. We put it out to a couple of trusted pastors down there. One that's Haitian. One that's American. That's been in Haiti for 20, uh, 17 years. And they both said, good to go. You know, there's no, no changes that need to be made. It's all biblically based. Yeah. Scripture throughout saying why we did what we did. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have to sign it on a yearly basis. You know, they're gonna go, we're, we're, we're making the commitment for a year of school. They have problems during that year. As long as they make it up by the end of the year and pass the year, they're going to be fine. Um, so that's the new program. Is there anything I left out that you can think um, of? Or? Just one more thing. Also in that agreement is service. Because that's oh, yes. That thank you. Because we haven't done um, in the past with them what we feel is a real big missing piece for them to learn how to it's serve. It's that, that community service, right, yeah. giving back. Um, not yet, but after we're done here, Mike had said that I was going to do a little something. So I'm going to give you a taste of the Bible study we do on a, on a weekly basis. So I get to do a little teaching this morning. So... <laughs> That'll be afterwards. <laughs> also, what Dave was talking about, we talked about how culturally um, we felt that what we were doing was not the healthiest for the young adults. There was the second reason why we um, really felt led to do this was, he's kind of alluded to it, but I just wanted to explain it to you, is we're trying to take these kids from being very dependent and move them, them into independent. independence. And this ends up being kind of a step process for them because they've got that orphanage where they're really under care 24-7, so then moving to the Esper, the new Esper High, over there to, to show them they'll have mentorship with us, but also peer mentorship. Their peers know how to use a tap-tap, which is their mode of transportation, um, you know, how to get to and from classes, those kinds of things, and they'll learn those from their peers within that home. Then from there, they go out to that independent living where we're still there for, to help them um, when they need our help but they're getting that more independent living. It was a much more gradual transition for them. So am I going to this? So we hope that this <laughs> journey um, that we've taken you on um, through this last year, what we went through, again, might be an encouragement to you. And if, if you are um, going through something um, where you're needing to seek God's heart for a plan, um, whether it be that you're starting a ministry or you're in ministry and you feel there's a change that needs to be made, we want to encourage you to first to be in prayer and in the word, to secondly discuss with your ministry partner, have that unity and seek wise counsel from your pastors and those that um, are above you that can help you with that. 
And then thirdly, to develop the plan, making sure, that, again, that it's all in alignment with Scripture. Um, so we just hope that that will be a blessing to you. I don't need that. <laughs> We're not doing that. Um, we can do this after. Okay. okay. So weekly, weekly Bible study. Um, we, we, we try to make the Bible studies challenging to the young adults. Um, their Bible knowledge is not that good. Um, they uh, don't like to read. It, it's tough to get them to read, so we try to encourage them by reading the Bible during the Bible study and to try and encourage them to read it when we're not having Bible study as well. Um, so, and, and Mike, when we first talked about me doing this down there, he was like, treat each one of these like a little mini sermon. So I've been trying to do that, sir. <laughs> Good advice from wise counsel. Um, but I, I tend to be very direct and to the point. Um, Deb will sometimes be the more eloquent speaker. I'm not a good speaker. I don't like... This is very uncomfortable for me right now. Uh, <laughs> but as the song said, he's right there beside me. We were singing there today. He's in the fire beside me. And I'm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, um, we've been studying the books of... We, we, we finished the book of Ephesians, and we, we've talked about that for the last few presentations we did. But this year, we started the book of James. Um, and it's been a challenge... For me, I mean, some of the stuff in James is very—it's very eye-opening. You start to dig into it, and it's—it's it's been a challenge to me. And some things have been ouchy, and uh, that keeps us all on our toes. So I, I wanted to talk about it this morning. What we've been teaching recently with them, and I think it's a good encouragement to us all. It makes us think, and stand back, and reflect on where we are with the Lord. Um, so we're in chapter two, um, which. Verses 14 through 26 is what I'm going to talk about. And it's, that's the section on faith without works. Um, we know from chapter 1 that we're, we're supposed to uh, do the word. You know, we hear the word, we're supposed to go do it. We're supposed to be doers of that word. And James actually, if you look at it, carries that theme through, at least through to where we are. I know he does that. And he probably does it through the rest of the book. But that's a, it's a major over theme of the book, um, to get out there and do God's word. Um, in in, earlier in chapter 2, it talks about uh, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Um, doesn't use those words, but that's what he's getting at. And then that feeds down into loving others as we want to be loved. And if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God is gracious and his word is true, and then one day he will judge us, then our, belief, our conduct will be revealed in our beliefs. Amen. Um, so this is being a doer of the word. So, as I said, he continues this theme in verses 14 through 28. So, most Bibles, I think, talk about a dead faith before chapter, uh, verse 14. So, verses 14 through 17 say, What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself does not have works, is dead. 
So from that, we can see the characteristics of someone who has a dead faith. They use words instead of deeds. They just talk about God all the time. They don't actually do anything. They use Christian vocabulary in their praise and testimony. They can quote from the Bible. Their walk does not measure up to their talk. They think their words are as good as works. Their words are as good as works. Um, In verses 15 through 16, we see James gives that example of someone who has dead faith. They saw the need of their brethren who was hungry or destitute, and they didn't do anything about it. They just walked by. You think of the Good Samaritan, right? You think of probably many other examples where people just did not carry out what we've been told by Jesus to do, and that's to love one another as we love, as God loves us, right? As we want to be loved. Um, so he's, he's using that as an example. I don't think, and he, throughout James, he uses examples, but he's not all-inclusive. There's a lot more things that we should do as believers. Um, that's just one example. Um, I don't usually like the message, the, ver- the, the translation of the message, but there was the verse in First John 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, if you see a brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. Ouch. Ouch. You make it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. So in, in verse 14, Jim says, James says, can faith save us? And what is the answer to that? In verse 17, he gives it to us. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So the answer is no. Dead faith is not saving faith. These, these verses remind me of Jesus' words in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Think about that. <laughs> um, so having faith leads to doing the will of God. If you say you have faith but do not do the will of God, you have a dead, meaningless faith. So take a breather because I need something to drink. <laughs> These are the, I mean, this is, we challenge these young adults with this kind of stuff. And they just, I'm I'm praying that it sinks in. They may not do it right away, but we pray that it sinks in. So James goes on in verses 18 to 19. And I call this demonic faith. I didn't come up with that myself. I have to uh, credit um, Warren Wearsby, a commentator that I read quite a bit. He puts things very simply. Um, but he calls the next phase a demonic faith. And you think about that. Um, in verses 18 and 19, it says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So it's, they're showing an action. They're showing emotion. But it's demonic faith. They get an emotion. They may get emotional about the songs we sing, but are you, are you doing anything after you, you, you sing the song? Right? Are we doing any? Are we just being emotional about it? That's what James is trying to get at. Um, he's using a shock factor. Think about that. The demons believe. Uh, in Mark three eleven, it says, um, "The unclean and the unclean spirits 
whenever they saw him, meaning Jesus, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. The demons believe in the place of eternal punishment in Luke 8, 31. And they begged him that they would not command them to go into the abyss. And then the demons also recognized Jesus as the judge in Mark 5, 1 through 13. It's a story about a demon-possessed man who had legions of demons within him. Um, the first words they say, do not judge us. they not paraphrasing, but that's what it says. They didn't want him to, to judge them. Um, so they recognized Jesus as a judge. Um, so James is comparing the dead in faith to, the, to demons. He went a step further and said that the, the, at least the demons are touched by their emotions as well, and they believe and tremble. So demonic faith is similar to a person who says, and he believes, and even is emotionally moved by his belief. But they are still missing something, something that can be seen and recognized, a changed life. When we come to Christ, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. We received life in Christ. We need to reveal the life in Christ within us by our works. So dead faith and demonic faith cannot save the sinner. Faith is in our minds, faith in our emotions cannot save the sinner. The only kind of faith that can save the sinner is a dynamic faith, a faith that is active, as James describes in the next verses. So in verses 20 through 26, it says, But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was filled with, fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messages and sent them, messengers and sent them on, out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So a dynamic faith is a faith that is real. It has power. It results in a changed life. Dynamic faith is based on the Word of God. As we walk, talked about, I'm reading my notes from the uh, Bible study, so I say, as we talked about in James 1.18, <laughs> we, we received our spiritual rebirth through God's Word. We received it, and it saves us. And James 1.21 says, our faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. James gives two examples of that dynamic faith, Abraham and Rahab. Two total different people, different sides of the spectrum. We have Abraham, a faithful Jew. He wasn't called Jewish yet, but he was Jewish. Um, and Rahab, who was a prostitute. Um, both of them heard and received the message of God through his word. Of course, it was an oral word, not reading the word, but it's oral. It's his word. Um, and then we see in Hebrews 11 the whole list of people that are very similar to that. Um, so Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. He was told to go up the mountain, build an altar, and put his son on it and sacrifice his son. He trusted in God. He, he did what God said, told him to do. He did God's word. Um, and God honored Abraham's faithfulness and spared his son. 
Uh, Rahab, as I said, was a prostitute. She was a Gentile. She didn't know God until um, Joshua sent spies into Israel, into Jericho, to see what they were all about. She heard the word of God. She knew why the spies were there. She believed in God. She saved those spies. She hid them. Um, and then through her faithfulness, she was saved. She was spared from the destruction of, of um, Jericho. She had faith. She demonstrated her faith by doing what God told her to do through the messengers. Uh, is also, a little, like, throw that out there. It's interesting note. Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus. She was the great-great-grandmother, if I've got the number of greats right, of King David. So God uses all people for all things. No matter what your background, he can use you. And I, always, I love the story of Rahab. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so both of these, these people demonstrated their faith by, faith by taking action. Both demonstrated that dynamic saving faith. Um, again, going back to James 1, he says to be, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. James is telling us that if we have faith in Jesus Christ, we should have the desire to do the things that the word of God tells us to do. This will be the evidence that we have a true, genuine faith. Not a dead faith, not a superficial faith, not a demonic faith, but a faith that is real, a faith that is powerful, a faith that results in a changed life, a saving faith. Um, as I, I referenced um, Warren Wearsby uh, a moment ago, he, he gave a list at the end of his commentary on this, this uh, section of James. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a good list of questions to ask ourselves on a regular basis about our walk. Um, and there's nine little questions. Well, not little, but nine questions that I know when I read through them, ouch, a few, on a few of them, and probably on a lot of them. Um, was there a time when, we, when I honestly realized I was a sinner and admitted this to myself and to God? Two, was there a time when my heart stirred me to flee from the wrath to come? Have I ever seriously been alarmed over my sins? Three, do I truly understand the gospel that Christ died for my sins and rose again? Do I understand and confess that I cannot save myself? Do I sincerely repent of my sins and turn from them, or do I secretly love those sins and want to enjoy them? Have I trusted Christ and Christ alone for my salvation? Do I enjoy living a relationship with him through the word and in the spirit? Has there been a change in my life? Do I maintain good works, or are my works occasional and weak? Do I seek to grow in the things of the Lord? Can others tell that I have been with Jesus? And seven, do I have a desire to share Christ with others, or am I ashamed of him? And number eight, do I enjoy the fellowship of God's people? I, is worship a delight to me? Yes. Nine, am I ready for the Lord's return, or will I be ashamed when he comes for me? Think of eternity. Think of eternity, folks. I want to end with Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So those are the things we talk about with the young adults. Um, Deb, if you want to come back up. We have a couple of prayer requests that we'd, we'd like to talk about. Did I shut off? Uh, um, <laughs> um, and, and 
we discuss it. I went through it pretty fast for me because I'm usually working with a translator. So everything I say, I, you know, I'll say a few words and pause and let him <laughs> translate because I don't speak Creole yet. <laughs> Still working on it. But, um, so it does give me time to think about some of this stuff as I'm going through and, and, and probably change the words quite often. But um, I'm hoping that these words were a blessing this morning to people and just to, 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 to sit back and think about where we are with the Lord. We should always do that gut check. I think on a regular basis, daily, yes, heart, gut, yes. <laughs> so, um, as I said, we, we have some prayer requests for the ministry and for the country. Um, when we go back to Haiti, we're moving forward with everything. Um, and we do need prayers that everything goes smoothly. Uh, as we mentioned we have a place for the, the, the high school students to stay. Um, but the, the university students, we need to find a place for them to live. Um, or help them find a place to live. Um, and as we enact this plan, we're, we, we hope that we'll be sensitive and we pray that we'll be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit through everything. And if there's changes we need to make, we, we, we need to be sensitive to those leadings and, and make the changes as required. Uh, we're moving when we get back at some point within... Within a couple months, to where we don't know, we we still have to go through that process. When we first moved down there, it was a blessing because we've been going, we've been staying with a pastor Martinez for years on missions trips, and he said, "Well, I have this house next door, and it's available, and that's where we've been living for three years." So um, it was perfect for what we were doing. But now it's just going to be the two of us, and we need to downsize quite a bit for that. So we need prayers to find a. a, a a good place to live, mm-hmm. um, and just moving in Haiti is going to be an, a, just a, an experience in itself. <laughs> it doesn't come from a ship and get delivered to your front door. We have to figure out a way to get it from one place to the other. So it's going to be interesting. Um, we have to do all that probably by well, we said October originally, but it's more looking like November sometime. Um, and the last thing we need prayers for for the ministry is we have, as I mentioned, two new. Young adults coming. We have um, Casa Linda and Olivier. And if I remembered to bring my thumb drive this morning, we'd have a picture of them up there. Uh, but um, if you got our not last newsletter or saw the newsletter out in the foyer, I think there's, you still put them out there, right? Um, there's a picture of Casa Linda and Olivier on there. Um, so we need sponsorship for them. We have a little bit because they're coming from loving hands, but it costs more to live with us education-wise and food-wise. So transportation as well. Um, prayers for that and Deb um, and finally we'd, we'd also like you uh, to pray for Haiti um, I'm sure that many of you heard in the news and things going on that there's a lot of political unrest going on there um, there's also just a lot of suffering going on right now because because of some of that unrest it's also led to uh, the economy really suffering um, the value of the good has gone down um, tremendously um, and it is, it's getting to the point where I would say people can't always put food on the table, but the reality of Haiti is not even everybody even has a table to put food on. So um, that's what we're talking about. You know, for many people, it's day to day, and it's, it's just not getting better there right now. So please, we ask that you, you pray for that. We ask that you pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit, guys. We really need that. Um, there's a lot um, in Haiti... Uh, that is demonic and that has to do with the, the roots that voodoo has in that country. 
Um, and right now, the church is trying to come up against that. So we need your prayers. Um, we are seeing a movement, especially in the younger generation. Um, so please, please pray strongly that um, they will overcome and that the enemy will not have his way. Um, we believe that, that what God is calling us to do in Haiti right now is not only to be working with these young adults, but also to be reaching out to the community. We have been um, sharing the gospel with people that live down behind us in the ravine. Uh, to give you an idea, the ravine, the, we're talking one-room houses with tin roofs, a very meager existence back there. Uh, but we've been trying to just share the gospel with them. Um, we've had several give their lives to Christ. We've been able to pray with them. We've seen healing. We've been giving them the word of God and Bibles. Um, also through Haiti Teen Challenge, we've been doing some work there. Um, if you want to know more about that later, I'll talk, I can talk to you about that. Um, but I've been working with the girls in Haiti Teen Challenge who are girls that are in addiction and trying to break that cycle of addiction. Um, and it's been amazing to see, again, how God is moving and what he's doing in the church and in programs like that. Um, also, I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, also, we believe that God is calling us um, right now to do exactly what Dave did this morning, and that's to share the word of God in truth. As he said, there is a lot of just uneducation going on down there, and we need watered to help. Our, it's very watered-down gospel, and we really, really need to have people hear the word of God in, in all its entirety, in its truth, speaking it in love, because we know that it's the word of God through his Holy Spirit that's going to change hearts and that is what's going to make the change in Haiti. Um, we've got a government right now that really doesn't care for the people. And you've got people that when they start to see someone do well, they don't want to encourage them because, oh, they might do well and I'm going to be stuck over here. That needs to change. And the only way that changes is through the heart. It's through, through the heart. And what changes the heart? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it's only through that heart change that we're going to see a change in Haiti. So please, please, please join with us in those prayers that that will happen and that God will equip us to continue to just be his vessels down there to share the word. Um, and we really strongly believe that there is going to be a change in Haiti. People say it's Haiti that can't happen. Yes, it can. Because our God is a mighty God and he can do anything. Anything. Amen. anything. There is no mountain that is too big for him that he cannot move. And we truly believe there will be a change in Haiti. And it will be to the glory of God Amen. that this Amen. happens. Amen. So it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Amen. <laughs> Yep. You know, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to pray for Deb and Dave.